able to share with you a continuing message from this Promised Land journal, the story of the miracles that Moses experienced and the lessons that we can draw from those stories now for this church at this very important time. Uh, It's been Chris and my privilege to be pastors here, as Brent said, for 27 years, as he stumbles around saying. Um, It's actually 26 years and 50 weeks. So he's, he's technically correct. It's been, our, our, it's been just an amazing journey for us. And I was as we were singing today that song of God's faithfulness, how it never lets go, I, I said, Lord, all these years, You have always kept Your Word. He has always seen us through. Every challenge, every difficulty, every victory, He's been there making it happen. And I believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that what lies ahead is even more exciting. That what the best days of the church are never behind us, but always in front of us. And what God is about to do is going to be, I, I think you're going to see, is going to be, as, 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 as time plays out and we see what happens, it's going to be miraculous. You can understand that God has a depth of planning that goes into ministry goes into his work among us. And we see that depth portrayed in the story of Moses. And it actually is a foreshadow of what God meant to do through ages. That what what, what happened in the book of Acts was not, or the book of Exodus was not simply something for that day, but it foreshadowed and it made a pattern for what was ahead. Today, my message is simply titled, "A A More Glorious Ministry that God has something in store for us that is even more glorious than what He's done in the past, that the best days truly are ahead. Now, in the story that we're going to look at today, Moses had, uh, had, of course, led the people of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea that we talked about last week. And then we don't have time to go over all the things, but he went up on Mount Sinai, received the, the, the commands of the Lord there. The covenant was given to him, the plans for the tabernacle. He came down and to the extreme disappointment to see that the people had fallen into idolatry. That situation was finally rectified, cleared up, and, and dealt with. And that brings us to the story today, which is God giving Moses a blueprint for ministry. He gave him something that was very clear about how that ministry was to go forward, both for the people of Israel then and how that would affect us for all time. And in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 and 9, we see the revelation of that blueprint. God says there, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so that I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. I want to make a couple observations with you about what we see there. First of all, God had, was giving them a blueprint for something that they had begun but didn't have a clear uh, structure for. All through time, the people of God had worshipped God. They had made sacrifices. They, they, they brought in their tithes and their offerings. They, uh, they, were, they, gave, they, they had different things that they did. Uh, they would make an altar and sacrifice there. But now God is doing a new thing. He says, I'm going to bring you, a, I'm going to have you construct a sanctuary. So what he was doing was he was raising up a new ministry out of an ancient truth. He was raising up something that was going to be uh, a new stirring that had always existed. The stream had always been there, but now it was going to become even more clear. He gave them this blueprint and he said, 
It, can we go back to that? You're ahead of me, okay? Let's stick with this scripture for a little bit. He said, I'm, I'm going to give you this blueprint, and I want, I want you to, to, to do it this way. I want to, you to do it so that I will have a place that I live among you. I'm going to bring myself closer to you so that the encampment of Israel, the people of uh, the Hebrew people, would actually be able to say, God is in this place. And he said, you must build this exactly by the pattern that I give you. God has a plan and a pattern for ministry. It's not just something that we willy-nilly pull out of the air. It's not just something that we thought of. It was God's plan. It was God's, he ordained this. And then he said something I think that's very important. He said, have the people of Israel build it. He didn't say, Moses, go build it. He said, lead the people to do the building. God has always called on his people to be the hands to do the building. He said, call the people together and have them build this thing. And he was then going to raise it up into, uh, in, into that place where he would minister to the people and the people could minister before him. I want you to know this principle and keep this in your heart today. The Lord inhabits that which he establishes. The Lord inhabits that which he establishes. He said in this promise, he said, have them build it and when they build it, I will live among them. Going on, The scripture says, I will consecrate the tabernacle and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will live among the people of Israel and be their God and they will know that I am the Lord their God. I am the one who brought them out of the land of Israel so that I could live among them. He said, I'm going to consecrate this work. Consecrate is the Hebrew word that means to make something holy. Something that was not holy becomes holy. When, a, when, when Aaron was made high priest, he was consecrated before the Lord. He was certainly not holy before that consecration. As a matter of fact, he had just led the people of Israel into idolatry. Yet God had redeemed Aaron and, he, and they, were, they consecrated him, anointed him, and made him holy. God was going to take these items that the Israelites were going to bring in and build this tabernacle, things that in and of themselves were not holy. They were not special. They, they might have been costly. It might be silver or gold or bronze or wood or animal hides or, or all these things that they used to bring together. God says, I'm going to take those things and I'm going to put them together and I'm going to make them holy. Isn't that what God has done in the body of Christ? He's taken people who were sinners, people who were cheaters, people who were failures, people who didn't know God, people who were blasphemous, and he said, but I am consecrating unto myself a body of believers, and I am making them holy for my purposes. So he says, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to make it holy. I'm going to make those who serve in it holy. And he says, and I'm going to live among the people of Israel and be their God, and they will know that I am the Lord. And then look at this last sentence. I think this is so astounding. He says, I did this so that I could live among them. I brought them out of Egypt so I could live among them. God didn't bring the people out of Egypt just so that they wouldn't suffer under the Egyptians, just so they didn't have to make bricks anymore, just so they wouldn't have to go through all the things they were going through there. He brought them out for an even greater purpose. He said, I brought them out so I could have a relationship with them. I brought them out so I could live among them. God didn't save you just 
to not have a horrible life. God didn't save you just so you wouldn't be sick. God didn't save you just so you wouldn't go to hell. God saved you because he wants a relationship with you and he brings you to himself. He revealed in this word the purpose for their being. He said, I brought you out so you could be with me. You know, the greatest day in your life is when you find out why you exist. And you were born into the kingdom of God so that you could have a relationship with Him. So that you could have a relationship in the Spirit. And these people responded powerfully to this. He gave them the plans for the Ark of the Covenant, for the altars, for the lamps, for the tables, and for the tabernacle himself. There was a clear blueprint for how they were to build. And this place was fantastic. As you see in the slide in back of me, I can see a picture of it at night. This is an artist's conception. There was no one there with an iPhone who climbed up on a hill and got a picture. But this is, a, this is actually an artist's conception of what the tabernacle and the, and the, and the, and the grounds around it would be like. That area that you see that is ringed by the, by the curtains, is the, is the, it outlines the courtyard. That courtyard, by today's standards, would be one and a half football fields in size. This was a large structure. People say that if you could see it today, it would probably be listed under the ancient seven wonders of the world. It was so beautiful. It was so, uh, it was so intricately made. It was so powerfully put together. And it had such a powerful purpose. His plans to them were specific. It would require a sacrificial investment by the people. It was going to take precious metals. It was filled with gold, silver, and bronze. And bronze was precious then. It, had, it, was, it was decorated with fine linens. It took uh, an, an immense amount of gemstones, durable materials to construct the, the actual structure, consumable materials for the worship. They had, to make, they had to have olive oil. They made special bread. They made special incense. Those needed to be complete. They, they needed to be continually provided. They were to provide the labor to build and to maintain this ministry. What was inside the tabernacle itself was very specific, as you can see in this next picture. It was beautifully artistic, with tapestries, carvings, statuary, lampstands. Each one of them had amazing fine detail and intricate beauty, if you could just see it up close. Nearly everything inside was either made completely of gold or silver or overlaid with gold. The place literally would simply shimmer inside. The lampstand alone, what you can see in the picture, and I, I don't think that's necessarily to, you know, to scale. It makes it look very large. But the lampstand alone was made out of one solid piece of gold, hammered out, and, it was, and because of the way it was made for the wicks to drop oil, it would, be, uh, it would be hollowed out on the inside. But it was all hammered out of pure gold, nothing but gold. It weighed uh, 75 pounds in gold. Today, that would be valued over $2.1 million of just the raw materials alone. Remember that Israel had plundered Egypt. 
when they left, God moved on the Egyptians' heart to respond to the Israelites, saying to them, hey, can you give us some gold? Can you give us some silver? Can you give us some bronze? How about that beautiful linen you got there? Oh, that, that bolt of cloth looks really nice. And they went to all their Egyptians that were around them, and the Egyptians just offloaded all their wealth upon them. And the Bible says, and they plundered Egypt as they left. So these things were available for the work of God. The blessing that they received was blessed upon them so that they could bless God's work. The blessings that you and I live in, not only does God take care of our needs, but he says, you can bless my work through it. And we've, I've taught you about how God makes us rich on every occasion so we can be generous on every occasion. These people definitely were. Now, God anointed people for this ministry. It took a special talent. It took a special group of people to build. And the Bible tells us in Exodus 31 that God chose a man named um, Beziel. And the, the scripture says this, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. Now, I really think this is important because when God calls somebody to do something, his call comes with his enablement. He, he, Beziel wasn't necessarily a good craftsman just because somebody had taught him. He didn't, he didn't pick it up through a book or through a, a, an apprenticeship necessarily. The Bible says that God says, I have anointed him. I have filled him with my spirit that he can do this, this work. And so he took this man who was willing and able and filled him with power to do the work. He had an assistant. Later we see that there was a man named Aholiab. And in chapter 31, verse 6 says, I have personally appointed Oholiab to be his assistant. Moreover, I have given him skill, uh, excuse me, moreover, I have given him, I've given special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so they can make the things I have commanded you to make. God says it's not just limited to one or two people. I have anointed an entire group of people to do it. Did you know the ministry doesn't belong to one or two? It doesn't belong to just somebody who's hired or just somebody who has a great reputation for they've done it in the past. God says, I will put my hand on all kinds of people and I will enable them to do the work that I've called them to do. It doesn't matter if you had the skill in the past, the Holy Spirit can give you the ability to do it in the future. And then these two, the, the scriptures mentioned here by name, did something important and powerful. The scripture says, And the Lord has given him and Oliab the ability to teach their skills to others. That's discipleship. That's the same thing that Paul said to Timothy. What I've given to you, you give to others, you give to others, you give to enabled men who give to others. You remember that? Generational passing down of the ministry. These two that are mentioned by name actually multiplied their skill. This project was way too big for two or even four or five or six. It took people who could do the tiniest little details Everything from weaving cloth to setting gemstones to casting bronze to building a structure. It took an amount, immense amount of people. And God said, here's the way you do it. You spread the ministry. The work of God in our community is too big for one or two. The work of God is too big for five or six. It takes every one of us saying, fill me with your spirit, God. Fill me with your spirit. And somebody teach me how to do it because I am available for you. These gifted people essentially created the ministry we're talking about. They created it. The Holy Spirit then moved upon people to fully participate. Notice the theme. They were eager. 
Look what the scripture says. They were eager in their giving. In 3521, the Bible says, All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle. There's two important words in there. It said, their hearts were stirred. When they heard the vision, when they heard about this is what God's going to do, we're going to build this tabernacle, he's going to come and be among us, and we'll have relationship with him through that, that avenue. They were stirred by that. But they weren't just stirred, they also moved. Because it says, and their spirits were moved, and they came and brought their offerings. I think a lot of us kind of take the first step. We get stirred. I get stirred up about all kinds of things. I'm stirred up, I'm going to do this. I'm stirred up, I'm going to do that. I don't, I'll even make big statements at home, you know. Well, we're going to, you know, build a gazebo. <laughs> you know, you get stirred up for something. or We're going to organize this house. You know, we're not going to have any more junk around here. And you get stirred, but then when it comes time to actually get moved, it's a little different story. These people not only got stirred at Moses' words and at the opportunity, they were moved to action. They moved on it. And when people of God not only get stirred up, but actually move on that stirring, things begin to happen. We see later on, that as the giving started to come in, those who were in charge of receiving the giving came to Moses and they said this, they said, these people have given more than enough materials to complete the job that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and I cannot believe there's any spiritual leader in the world has ever said this except Moses. He said, don't bring any more gifts for the sanctuary. He says, we have enough. I would love to be in church someday and hear somebody say, please, folks, we just don't know what to do. You're giving so much. We're shipping it by truckloads, you know. He said, you've given enough. Their, their hearts that were stirred were moved into actions of amazing generosity. But it wasn't just that they gave their, their material things. They gave their lives, their labor. The scriptures go on to say that they were willing to use their talents. Exodus 35 tells us that all the women who were willing used their skills. Look at that. Everyone who was willing used their skills to spin the goat hair into yarn. Now, we do not need any women right now to spin any goat hair into yarn. That's not the current need in our community. Joanne Fabrics is across the street. But there are so many other things that we need people to take their skills and to use them. Willing to use their skills. Isn't that a great phrase? Willing to use their skills. Not begged or cajoled, just like, man, I want to use my skills. We see the men were also moved in chapter 36. It says, Moses brought together all these workers, and get this, who were eager to work. There was an eagerness to work. No wonder such wonderful things happened through what happened here. These were not observers. They were participants. And God even brought key leaders into play. Aaron and his sons were raised up as priests. Aaron as high priest and his sons as priests with him. And they considered it in the community and themselves to be an honor to serve. 
The Scripture says this, that they were to make sacred garments for Aaron that were glorious and beautiful. Garments for Aaron that will distinguish him as a priest set apart for God's service. Can you go to that slide for me? Garments that were distinguished. Garments that said it was an honor to serve. It is an honor to serve God, people. It's been, Chris and I, our greatest honor to serve you as pastor over these years. But if, if, the, if the job description was different, it would still be an honor. If, if I could say for 27 years, I pulled the weeds at the church, and I knew that God had called me and I had the skill, I would say it's been an honor to do that. It's been an honor. To, to realize that whatever you do for the Lord is a special honor. An opportunity to do something for the kingdom. Now, the tabernacle was ordained, as you know, as a place of sacrifice. It was, a, it was especially for that time, for the truth that the people were living in, a time of, of sacrifice. Sacrifice covered the people's sins in a temporary manner. When someone had sinned or when the nation had sinned, uh, different sacrifices were prescribed and blood was spilled and it was put out on the altar. And for the time, it covered the sin. But when the next sin came, they had to sacrifice again. The sacrifices were perpetual. Sacrifice made way for fellowship with God and opened the door for worship. But that worship had limits. Uh, It was a veiled worship. Between the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, and where the rest of the priests served, and then, then outside where everybody else was, there were layers that kept people from getting too close. So the worship that they had was veiled. It was... It was separated somewhat. The tabernacle was a foreshadow of what was going to be available in the future. What you and I enjoy today, the tabernacle was a pattern for. The sacrifices that they were experiencing, the, the, the animals that were sacrificed and the things they brought in were temporary and, they were, and they, were not, they were incomplete. But the sacrifice that Jesus Christ paid for on the cross was once and for all. It not only, it didn't cover our sins, it removes our sins and it is complete to this day. He does not have to be re-sacrificed. He doesn't go back to the cross for our sins. He is once and for all our forgiveness and our Savior and we have fellowship with Him because of his sacrifice. When we celebrate Easter, we celebrate the fact that he not only died, but he rose again. The fellowship that those people were were so thankful to have that brought them closer to God was actually something that was much expanded through the work of Jesus. Now we don't see him, we don't have a veil between us and the Father. Now we have access to the very throne of God. And when Jesus died on the cross and he declared that it was finished, the Holy Spirit took that veil in the temple that separated God from from the people and tore it, not because there was something wrong with it, but because now it was fulfilled and it was no longer necessary. Now we have access to the very throne of God. So what Moses and the people built was temporary and it was a pattern for us to follow. But what came through Jesus Christ is so much awesomely greater. So much more. Through the night in the tabernacle, the priests maintained a flame. That lampstand that I showed you burned in the temple through the night and through the tabernacle. 
In Exodus 27, it says, In the tent of meeting outside the veil that is in front of the testimony, Aaron and his sons are to tend the lamp from evening until morning before the Lord. This is to be a permanent statute for the Israelites through their generations. In the darkness of the night, those priests were to make sure the light never went out. That that burned through the night. And through the darkest time, that was always there. And above the tabernacle, that flame of the Lord's presence shone to all of the people. When they were camped around every tribe in their different places around the temple, around the tabernacle facing it, they could look out through the night. They could open the flap of their tent and look out and say, God's presence is still above our tabernacle. And God's priests are still before the Lord tending that flame. But we have an even greater ministry now. Because now that flame does not burn from a temple somewhere or a tabernacle someplace. That flame burns within us. And Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are now that flame burning for the presence of God to our community and to our world. So when all that had been given to Moses to do was put into place, an amazing thing happened. As promised, the presence of God filled the tabernacle. The Scripture says that the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle so that Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. When they had done everything God had given them in the pattern, they didn't deviate. They didn't didn't leave out anything. They all participated. They all gave wholeheartedly. They they brought the concept. They brought the blueprint. They they, They took the command and they made it into reality. God said, that's what I'm gonna fill. When we fill God's blueprint, when we fill God's vision, when we become and and when we make ourselves available to God's plan, He responds by filling it with His presence. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the revival that we pray for, the miracles that we are contending for, they become not just a concept, but they become reality because God fulfills His promises. Remember, God fills what He gives the pattern for. When He gives the pattern and we do it, He fills that. We, the church, are another new thing that God has done. When when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, He said, just before that, He says, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are the fulfillment of a dream that God gave on that day and we continue to live in that dream. We, ter- we participate in a greater glory than the glory that filled the tabernacle. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said this, what had been glorious, he's speaking of that old ministry, is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was fading away was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. It would have been something to be there and see the glory of God fill that tabernacle. 
It would have been something to look out your tent flap at night and see a literal flame going up to heaven from the top of the tabernacle. But it's even more glorious to live in this day. To be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. To be living stones of a temple that is not made by human hands, but is made up of men and women who are redeemed by God's grace. Men and women and students, boys and girls, who who came from a checkered past, who came from a sinful past, but have been consecrated by the blood of Jesus Christ and have been brought together into a holy temple. And God says, that's my pattern. That's my blueprint for what's going forward. And he says, as we come together, fulfill our role, bring with eagerness our our gifts and our talents and we join in together. He says, I'm going to fill that with my presence. And it'll be more glorious than what you saw in the past. God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, instituted a new ministry. It is based on the ageless stream of God's truth. The church is the new ministry of God. He fulfilled it through the, through the Old Testament and he fulfilled it through the blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And now we are a part of that new ministry. And there will be yet another new ministry when the church is taken up to be in glory in heaven forever with him. And we're going to forever worship with him around the throne of God. And we'll say, this new ministry is even more glorious than the one we participated on earth. We are moving from glory to glory. We are building not on our own foundation, on our own plan. In the same way that God gave to Moses a plan, God has given the church a plan. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he said, build on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building joined together rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. It's the same promise He gave to Israel, but it's more glorious. He says, you are that holy temple. A place for God to live. God will bless the church as we fulfill His blueprint. Like Israel, we're going to bring in the whole tithe. We do that. We practice that. Malachi chapter 3 promises that when we bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, He will pour out blessings so great it can't be contained. It's going to spill over. It'll spill over out on the 19th Street, out into the community, over to Thurston, over to Springfield, out in Springfield. Over, We'll bless this whole community. Lane County be blessed. The world be blessed through the people of God who are saying, We just take God at His word. Like Israel, we fulfill our roles. Those people of Israel said, look, I can weave. I can, I can, I can do metalwork. I can do construction. I can, I can do all these things. I can learn these things by the Holy Spirit. I can grow into these things. And just like those people, we do it. To the church in Rome, Paul said, as each has received a gift, use it to serve as good stewards of God's grace. Peter said, each of you has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, do not neglect the gift you have and fan it into flame through the power of God. To the Colossian church, the Bible says, whatever you do, work heartily as to the Lord and not for men. The same pattern that God gave to Israel, he gives to the church today. The enthusiastic people of God will fill God's temple with his glory. 
And the Holy Spirit has raised up for this congregation a new leader, a new pastor. In Ephesians chapter 4, 11 and 12, the Bible gives the list of all the gifts of leadership God has given to the church. Pastors are, are mentioned among evangelists and prophets and all these things. But the key thing in there is that he gave us these. He gives, he's given you a new pastor so that he can prepare God's work, God's people for the work of the ministry. Moses, we have no record of him ever lifting a hammer. No record of Moses ever uh, sewing a piece of cloth together. He led the people. He prepared the people for ministry. They had generations of people there to do it. God has given us a pastor to lead us into what's ahead. Every day, ministry in the tabernacle went forward. In Exodus 30, we saw that every evening the priest lit that lamp, a command that was to go from generation to generation. And every day, New Life Church is renewed by the lighting of the lamp. Every day, we, re- we relight the lamp of our testimony. Every day, we renew our commitment to keep the ministry going forward because we're entering into a new era for this ministry. We have an eternal high priest in Jesus Christ, one that did not need to be forgiven of sins. Each member is invited to fulfill their role by that high priest. He anoints us for ministry. We're always ministering before the Lord. We're always able to go into that holy of holies. Today the church ministers to the Lord in an eternal ministry that is far more glorious than what the people of Israel had in the tabernacle. Today, we're going to lay hands upon our new pastor as we commit ourselves to what is ahead. As we commit ourselves to the blueprint God has for the body of Christ, we commit ourselves to saying through through God's enablement, And through God's calling on our lives, we are enthusiastically stirred and moved to see the presence of God fill this church. So I'm going to ask Pastor Brent and Hosanna to come and stand here in the front, and we're going to do a socially distanced laying on of hands. I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand, and I want you to stretch your hands forward. And we're going to pray over them. And I don't want you to uh, pray a prayer that says, You know, amen, pastor. That's good, pastor. Oh, pastor, you sure know how to say that. I want you to lift your voices. I've got got some things in mind I'm going to pray for, but I want you to lift your voices with me that the Spirit of God will come upon this couple in a fresh, new, and exciting way. Would you stand up with me? And I want you to, again, I want you, first of all, begin by thanking God that he has given us, this couple, to be leaders for this church. Will you praise him with me right now? Thank you, Lord, that you have called this couple before us. Lord, that you have called them to this time and place, that you have given them a burning bush experience, and they, and they know that they have been called. They know uh, the purpose of their life and the, where they're heading in their lives. They know, Lord, that you have given a blueprint for them. And I pray now, Lord, and praise you and thank you that you have called them for this time. I ask, Lord, that the, that the wisdom of the Holy Spirit will come upon them and the anointing of God will be on them, that all that they do would be Holy Spirit-inspired and directed, that the pattern for their ministry the vision for what lies ahead would come from you and it would be confirmed that it is the word of God. I pray, Lord, that they would have protection from anything the enemy would bring into their life, anything that he would do to try to deter them from their work, to keep them from their work. Lord, I pray that when the enemy comes from one direction, he would be scattered in many. I pray, Lord, that there would be a divine
divine protection around this couple and that they would be able to see all of the enemy's uh, schemes and they'd be able to understand them and they'd be able to defeat them through your power. I pray, Lord, there would be clarity and vision for all that they do, that not one word that they say would fall to the ground, that not one plan would be would come from understanding of man, but Lord, it would come from you and your Holy Spirit upon them. I pray, Lord, for resources to be released to them, that every person who is necessary to come alongside them would rise up, that every financial need would be met. Lord, that every 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 physical thing that needs to be brought into this body would come together. I praise you and thank you for this in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, for key leaders that ought to come up and to begin to be exercise the dreams that are in their heart, that you will raise up people, Lord, who have skills. You will raise up people who have gifts and that you will gift people who do not yet have those skills and gifts. Lord, that you will pour out on this congregation a, a giftedness and a new thing among us. I pray, Lord, for an enthusiastic team members that people will rise up and say, I, I am stirred within my heart. I am willing in my spirit and I am going to act upon those things and I'm not going to sit on the sidelines. I'm going to be a part of what you're doing. And I pray, Lord, that there would be joy in their home, that Gavin and Judah would, would find joy in that house, that there would be a protection there, that there would be absolute happiness and joy because they're following Christ. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for it. And we praise you for this in Jesus' name. Church, would you thank him for us right now? Thank the Lord for this now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Praise God. Praise God. You all may be seated. Today, I want you to join me in doing one last thing. Oh, I lost my little piece of paper. Can you get me one of those, Brent? Thank you, Pastor Donnie. Yeah, Donnie beat you to it. Sorry, Brent. I want you to reach in the front of the chair in front of you. Find somewhere in the chair in front of you uh, this little piece of uh, this card. It says on it, Building God's Temple. Uh, when I was a child, growing up in, I went to an Assembly of God church in, uh, uh, outside of Salem in Turner, Oregon. We had a pastor there. Her name was Ethel Goodikunst. And uh, she pastored the church for like 35 years. Two weeks after she left, she died. I hope I don't share that outcome. Uh, anyway, uh, Sister Goodikins, every morning we had opening exercises for Sunday school, and so all the children would gather, and actually all the adults, everybody would gather in the, in the main auditorium, and, and we would, uh, uh, I don't know, say our Bible verses and sing a song or two, and then we were going to go to our classes. And every time, just before we would go, she would stop and she'd say, wait a minute. She was in the back. She wasn't out front. She was in the back, back row. She'd stand up. She'd say, wait a minute. We haven't sung Building Up the Temple. And does anybody know Building Up the Temple? If you're here in the first service, you know Building Up the Temple. <laughs> you know Building Up the Temple. Thank you. So every time, every, she'd say, we haven't sung Building Up the Temple. And so uh, sister who was playing the piano go, okay, we'll sing Building Up the Temple. And here's how it went. We'd all, it had motions. It has motions. Okay. And it goes like this. We're building up the temple, building up the temple, building up the temple of the Lord. And then, this is where it gets really good. Oh, brother, will you help me? Sister, will you help me? We're building up the temple of the Lord. Now you know building up the temple. 
It's theologically rich. (laughs) Actually, it does have one really good truth. We are all building the temple. We're all building the temple. And so today, I've got this little card for you, and I named it Building the Temple. And this is a message from you to Pastor Brent. So it's important that you take this. And those of you at home, uh, you don't have the card, but I'd like you to fill out your, like, fifth connection card for the day. And and just follow along with me. And would you send this in as a connection card uh, with a message to Pastor Brent? Here's what they say on them. I I hope you all have them. By the way, don't try to answer for your spouse if you got your spouse here. You don't know what your spouse is going to say. So do one yourself, okay? Here's here's what it says. It just says this. Pastor Brent, you can count on me too. First one, pray for you. Can he count on your prayers? Do you know, I every once in a while have a, a, an older saint get, you know, start to get older and they're going to pass away, and inevitably, when I go see them, they'll take me by the hand and they'll say, Pastor, I want you to know that I pray for you every day. And I think to myself, Lord, please send somebody to replace them. Because when they're gone, I want those prayers to continue. So will you please... Consider saying, I'll pray for you, Brent. I'll pray for you weekly. I'll pray for you daily. Whatever you, you realistically will do. Then I will give to support our church and fill the storehouse, releasing God's blessing on this ministry. If you're already giving, just check it. Or maybe today you're, you're feeling kind of stirred like, wow, I, I've been stirred before, and, and, but I, I need to be willing, so I'm going to do it. Uh, third one is, I'll be faithful in attendance. Can I tell you something? You don't know how much your pastors want you to be here. You can't, you, you, you can't imagine it. Um, we, we so badly want everybody here. And it means so much to us. When we go home after services, I know Brent and Hosanna do this, Chris and I do, we talk about the people we're concerned about who weren't there. I wonder where so-and-so was. Um, so... Your commitment to be faithful in attendance means so much to your pastor. By the way, it's also a testimony to the world. Full parking lot. When people walk in, a full congregation means so much. Number four, I will use my gifts and talents for for God's work. Specifically, I am now. And you can put what you're doing right now. And then you can say, uh, the next one is, I am enthusiastically offering myself to... Now, this is kind of interesting because Chris and I have finally, suddenly found ourselves with more time on our hands coming up. And uh, we're going to still be engaged with this church, but I am not going to be your pastor. And some of you might be tempted to come and say to me, you might think it means a lot, you say, Pastor, I want you to know you'll always be my pastor. And I will say to you, no, I'm not, I quit. <laughs> That's like... Doug, you're, you're, a, you're a barber. If you retire someday, you know, I don't need to go to a barber. I take care of it myself. <laughs> but if, I, if you're my barber and you retire, I can't find you on the street and say, Doug, I want you to know you'll always be my barber. It doesn't make any sense. He's not cutting my hair. I will always be your friend. I will always be, I hope, a part of this church community. But I will not be your pastor. So you can't come to me and say, uh, Todd, would you go tell Brent this is the way it ought to be done? Because I'll say, no, I won't. Are you clear on that? Or don't, didn't, didn't you, don't you just hate it when so-and-so doesn't do that? I, I don't have an opinion. But 
Chris and I have found that we've got some time on our hands. And so we, we actually were able to sign up for something I think is really exciting. We're going to once a month uh, lead a toddler class. I, and I'm going to teach them building up the temple. <laughs> because I have discovered that we are not teaching that song. I, by the way, I think there is a huge pent-up spiritual need in our community, and we need to fill every ministry. We need, to, we, need to have, we need to have life groups all over town. We need to have, we need to have dozens of families who say, I will, I will go and, and, and help with the children's church or the, the toddlers or the nursery. I didn't sign up for nursery. I, I don't know how to, littler kids break, you know. <laughs> but bigger ones, I'm okay with the toddlers, you know. There is a pent-up need in our community. We are the answer for that community. And so I hope you're stirred and you, and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write down some ideas of things I might be able to do and then put your name, how to contact you. And then there's a final thing. You can use the back to add more message to Pastor Brent. Now, that is not a, this isn't a suggestion card. You know, this isn't to put down... Uh, I think you should trim your beard differently. <laughs> or, uh, you know, what we really need here is, you know, uh, this n- new ministry or that or something. That's a different time and place. This is a word of encouragement. You might even have a prophetic word. Seriously. You might have a word to give. Uh, just, I'm here for you. Uh, or, or, or share your heart. And we're going to end the service today by praying over these. And then uh, Chris is just going to play. And when you're done filling this out, just leave it on the pew and you can leave it there. And the ushers will pick them up. You can't know as a pastor how much it means for people to say, you can count on me. Through the years, uh, when Brent was little, I was able to say to him, Brent, you can count on me. I'll, I'll be moral. I'll be true to your mom. You can count on me to teach you to drive. That was, that was a different kind of step. You can count on me to get you to all your basketball games. You can count on me to make sure that, that you're fed. You know, your mom and I, we're here for you. You can count on us. Now it's our privilege to say in a different way, Brent and Hosanna, you can count on us. And I really mean that, Brent, Hosanna. We really mean that. You can count on us. I, I, I really do want to be the best church member I can for you. And I hope that the rest of us will consider that our calling. To be the best we can as members of this body for our new pastor. I want to pray with you. Would you hold your card in your hand? And please don't pass this off and say, oh, that's for everybody else. Please do it with me. Father, you can count on us to stand behind our pastor. Not just stand behind, but to shoulder the load, to be a part, to be enthusiastic and willing. So today, we offer ourselves to this ministry. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay.
just take a moment, fill it out. When you're done, you can just leave it in the chair. God bless you. Thank you for hearing me today. I look forward to next week. I think we're going to have an awesome time.